at my first act as Premier, we will use every tool at the disposal of the Ontario government to remove the $6 million man in the entire board of Hydro One. That is PC leader Doug Ford today releasing the first plank of his hydro plan. Uh, and that if he does become the premier, all those big, rich, fat cat execs over at Hydro One, they'd be gone. You'll recall we uh, talked about the salary of the top CEO over there making $6.2 million last year. Not bad for uh, bankrupting a lot of Ontarians. This is what I call failing upwards. So he says that will end with him. I'm not sure if he can do it. The province no longer owns Hydro. We own a uh, 40% share. And uh, the Liberals can squawk all they want. You can't argue this because you made the the majority of this mess is, you know, lays at their feet. And again, you can make the argument, had they not sold it off and at least kept the control, we wouldn't even be having to talk about this because they could fire them themselves. But the reality is, even if we fire those execs, symbolically it will make us feel better. It does not solve the bigger picture. So I'll be anxious to hear what else uh, Mr. Ford has in his hydro plan. Hope to get more details soon. But hydro is expensive here. And it is very badly, badly broken. And it is not going to be fixed overnight. That is just the reality. I want to bring Ross McKittrick into this conversation. He is a professor of economics at the University of Guelph. He also is with the Fraser Institute. And he also, if you want to start reading, if you really want to learn what went wrong with energy, because it's very complicated, uh, they have and he has released uh, and co-authored a new series of essays that have been released today examining what exactly went wrong with Ontario hydro policy. Ross joins me now. Hello there. Hi, Alex. What was your reaction when you heard um, Doug Ford's, uh, I guess, initial first plank for hydro? Well, I was relieved, actually, because earlier he'd been saying that when he cuts uh, the budget for Ontario, he's not going to fire anyone and no one's going to lose their jobs. <laughs> there are a lot of people, actually, you need to get rid of. And um, so I'm glad that uh, he's uh, he's decided, yeah, there could be some people fired. When the province set up organizations in the electricity sector, uh, true to form, they got way overstaffed and the salaries are just ridiculous for what the people are doing. So... Um, it's true he may not be able to fire uh, some individuals, but I think he's on the right track that there's a lot of overstaffing and a lot of people being paid salaries that are way off the grid for what they're doing. And certainly when you hear a guy making $6.2 million for bankrupting people, because that's really the real story of Hydro in the last, uh, you know, in the last year we heard all those terrible stories. There are not too many people that will feel badly for him. Um, he makes, uh, essentially he makes $6.2 million, which is about $550 mil- five- Five hundred and fifty million more than um, five point five million, rather more than the average hydro exec in this country, and it, so he gets paid to fail uh, upwards. Well, why why do you need to pay a CEO so much in a protected sector where they have a state-run monopoly? Yeah, uh, it's not like he's got to come up with a really clever business plan to be competitive. You have to buy his services. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Uh, so uh, it it seems to me uh, a no-brainer that that compensation package is far higher than it should be. Now, when people say, yeah, but they sold off Hydro One so he can't fire them, there must be some odd arrangements in the, the, the market situation for Hydro One that they feel the need to pay a CEO that much. 
Well, you always follow the dollar, Mr. McKittrick. But it's interesting because, in fact, it was Wynne a couple of years ago who stood up in question period and did, in fact, say, yes, we can, in fact, fire boards uh, and the execs. And that was to reassure Ontarians that there was still some control at Hydro One. So it may not be the easiest thing to do, but I'm sure that where there's a will, there is a way. But even if you do fire him, put that aside. That's not going to save any money on Hydro. And the Liberals out there are making a stink about this should just sit down and be quiet because they sound silly Um, because they they are really I think to blame for for a majority not all of it but a majority of what we're seeing uh, today but what do we need to hear from those running in this election um, that will actually start to address the crisis Um, actually that's that's a good question and we've we've kicked this around at the Fraser Institute Um, we've been working for a long time on the, the Ontario hydro situation and as you mentioned uh, today, we, we published uh, a compendium of, of essays that just take a broad view over a lot of aspects of this issue and how we got here. A few years ago, we put forward some suggestions of things that could be done to try to fix the problem. Some of those now are impossible because of further changes mm-hmm. in the system. Um, the, the key to getting electricity prices down is a mechanism called the global adjustment. Mm-hmm. So when you, you pay your electricity bill, uh, it's just a small fraction of that is going to the actual cost of generating the electricity. That's not a yeah. big cost item for us. The global adjustment is this huge charge to fund all the side programs, the renewables and the conservation programs and all, all these other government-run programs. And they've made long-term spending commitments that will be difficult to get out of. Not impossible, but difficult to get out of. Um, So we have to look at ways of getting the global adjustment down, and to do that means looking at all the promises that have been made Mm -hmm. for that money and beginning to back out of them. And uh, that's going to take... um, You you have to have a, a provincial cabinet that's willing to do it, willing to put up with what will be a lot of blowback from the beneficiaries of the, the global adjustment system and possibly willing to get into the legislature to change some contracts and change some laws and things like that. In other words, when we done, hear those promises of uh, the green contracts being cancelled, I mean, you just can't go out and cancel a contract. But, you know, for a guy like Doug Ford, you could uh, look over every contract and if they're not followed to the very, very letter, that's how you get out of them. Uh Maybe I, I think um, uh, it would. My understanding is uh, the provincial government could use legislative means um, to just arbitrarily change the terms of the contracts without exposing themselves to penalties and liability. Um, it could also be that the threat of doing that would be enough to convince mm-hmm. the beneficiaries that they're going to have to renegotiate. You have situations though where we promise to pay people 13 and a half cents per kilowatt hour for electricity that uh, the system can only recover two cents per kilowatt hour for. So that creates these large liabilities that have to be covered by the global adjustment. And um, those are the kinds of things that are just draining the system. And that's why our electricity prices have gone up. Right. And, and like you said, it's not the hydro that costs. It's this little black and uh, the fine print of your, your uh, bill that you get that I mean, you can have a completely vacant house in in Ontario that hasn't used any energy, and your bill can still be three or four hundred dollars because of this global adjustment. And what it is is the line that basically says 
you have to pay this because we made bad deals with people. Yeah. Um, when, uh, when the global adjustment first appeared, it was actually um, running a bit of a surplus. So it was back then it was called the provincial benefit. Um, but that's a long time in the past now. It began to go into deficit. And then after 2009 with the Green Energy Act, mm-hmm. it began to gallop ahead really quickly. And uh, I did a project uh, through the Fraser Institute, co-authored a project back then where we said, look, these um, renewables uh, are really driving up the global adjustment. They're going to continue to drive it up over the next few years. And and I remember the response of the provincial government was just to dismiss the concern out of hand that, you know, you don't understand the system. It's not going to happen. And we've got this under control. And, uh, of course, what everything that we predicted happened. The, the global adjustment just exploded to the upside. And within the current system, there's no way to fix it. That's why I don't think we're actually going to get a whole lot of detail in the election campaign. I mean, we're not going to get anything from the, the liberals because they've had all this time to make promises and they haven't um, come to terms with it. But I think the opposition parties, um, they might be reluctant, actually, to mm-hmm. say exactly what they're going to do because um, they will probably realize it's now a complex network of these high-cost contracts and we have to get out of them. Yeah. And it could be ugly. Like There's no question that uh, it's going to take a very determined government and ultimately what they have to decide is what the priority is. You know, are, are we really committed to getting electricity prices back down? And if they are, then they can take the appropriate actions and accomplish it. But it's, it's, they'll have to be really determined about it. I totally agree with you. And uh, I thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for the call. We'll, we'll talk again before the election uh, is upon us. That is Ross McKittrick, uh, who is uh, who has oh, co-authored these um, essays. So if you really want to learn, because it's very, very complicated, about hydro policy, you can take a look at, at those papers. But he's right. To campaign on the reality would terrify Ontarians. Because while Toronto is in this bubble, um, you know, we don't really get the sense it's so bad. It's not until you step outside of Toronto that you get the real picture to how Ontarians have, and businesses and personally, farmers, you name it, have been completely suffocated in this ignorant policymaking that has made a lot of people uh, in the 1% very rich and the rest of us left struggling and the manufacturing sector buckling. But it is going to take a long time to do it properly because right now all the government is doing is artificially reducing it so that you don't have a clue what the real story is. And so how did you get that 25% reduction on your hydro bill that the liberals love to brag about it? Well, they took a big, 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 huge arse loan out from the bank to artificially reduce it. And then after the election happens, not only do we have to pay that big loan back and hope that interest rates stay down, but, the you know, then we have to see the electricity prices go up. So it, it, the whole thing's just so broken, but we'll continue to talk about it because it is going to be a massive issue for this election. But again, no one should be uh, lulled into the false sense that it's going to be fixed overnight because it is not. And they've purposely made it like that and purposely made it complex and purposely made it uh, tricky so that we actually never know. And that's the sad reality for this province. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.